Come on, everybody. Will you give Jesus a shout this morning? Give him a shout of praise. Come on, we get to have church today in God's house. And man, we're so excited you're here. Also, welcome our online audience. Give me a clap. Welcome our online audience. Man, we're so glad you're on here today. Uh, Anissa Miller, Giselle's on there. Karen Miranda, man, we love you so much. And all those that are chatting on our Facebook and YouTube. How many know we are one church with two campuses? Come on, somebody. And so, guys, I want to say thank you. But as well, it's your first time guest with us. Can we just clap and welcome you, man? Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here today. And uh, my, uh, along with my wife, Pastor Lindsay, we started this church four and a half years ago. And uh, how many know the best is yet to come? Come on. We're just getting started. And so, guys, I'm so glad you're with us today. I want to get jumped in right real quick. We're in a middle of a collection of talks entitled On Earth As It Is in Heaven. On Earth As It Is in Heaven. So do me a favor. I want us to jump right on in. Also, I hope you enjoyed Avenue News. That was Brittany Fink. She officially starts on Tuesday as our next-gen coordinator. Uh, met our next hire, and so we're excited. And Lorenzo, uh, he jacked me up just a little bit, uh, man, because I'm just excited what God is doing through this church, through our team, through our A-team. They were here this morning at 7 a.m., and so give up for our A-team, guys. Man, we love you. Great worship. I'm excited. But I got to get into this word. I got a lot to say today because, man, this, this collection of talks is doing a work inside of us. And so if you're brand new with us, get your Bibles out. You can get your iPhones out, your Androids out, your Samsungs out, all those different uh, devices out, iPads out. You can get the big old iPad out. Try to take a picture. I love that, right? But, man, you can get on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Tag me at Jeremy Bosma or J-E-R-E-M-Y Bosma. Uh, our tag Avenue LV Church. But man, let's be able to make a difference today through our social media. Matthew chapter 6, this is our anchor uh, verse for this collection of talks. And it says, this is Jesus. And Jesus says, when you pray, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases. Right? Don't heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do. For they think they'll be heard for their many words. Everybody say words. Words. For their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Somebody needs to hear this today. I said this last week, but God knows what you need. He's waiting for you to ask. So he knows what you need. So let's, let's, let's ask him for this. I love this. And it says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I got to kind of identify some of the churchy people in this room, right? Some of you are like, I don't recognize this, but if I say this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Come on, somebody. Where are the, where are the church folks at? That you're still finding freedom from religion. Come on, somebody, right? It says, as your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. So last week, we could visit these three points that I really believe if we're asking God to bring heaven to earth, we have a kingdom mindset. Man, it's totally different. Our, val- our vision and avenue is for people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. I want you to know God. I don't want you to know religion. I want you to know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. If you go to Avenue Youth on Thursday nights, come on, somebody, right? Man, I want to encourage you. I want you to know God is your God, not as mom and dad's God. Or as your pastor, God, I want you to know God as your Savior. So there's a kingdom mindset. There's also kingdom measurement. That God measures things the way we don't measure. God doesn't measure things the way we measure things. And we talked about, man, what, what is it like to have treasure in heaven rather than earth? How many know everyone, everyone who came at 7 a.m. this morning, they got mansions in heaven. Come on, somebody. 
right? With stuckle or scaff or siding, I don't know. But then there's a kingdom standard. And we talked all about this last week, so I want to encourage you, get into the podcast, go to YouTube. Uh, it's even all fully up on, on, uh, on our Facebook. But this is the question I'm going to probably ask every single week. If it really is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In my life, bring heaven to my life as it is in heaven. I want to ask this question today. Are we asking God to bring heaven to earth or that we would only make it to heaven? Because I want to challenge you today. There's many of us in this room. You're going, man, I need something. I need purpose. I need hope. I am frustrated. There's people in this room, you've asked the question, is this all there is to life? But I want to challenge you. There's more than just getting to heaven. But what if we brought heaven to our lives, to this earth? What does that mean? And so I love uh, Jesus. The entire, his entire uh, ministry in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. As you begin to study this out, I challenge you, go throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I want you to find out all the different places Jesus is a kingdom, kingdom of heaven, or kingdom of God. And you're going to see it all throughout the Gospels because Jesus had to change their mindset of what kingdom really meant. And so I love this in Luke chapter 14. So if you got your Bibles out, go to Luke chapter 14, verses 7 through 11. And I love this. This is Jesus Christ. He told a parable. Jesus told a story. I love that he's telling stories to those who were invited. But then when he noticed how they chose the places of honor... I love this, right? How many grew up and you're walking to mom and dad's car and you said, shotgun, right? Like, I get the passenger seat. And some of you just got PTSD when I said that, right? Like, shotgun. And you went, I want the front seat. And Jesus, I love this. He noticed how they were trying to get the best seats at the table. And this is what Jesus said. There's a learning moment here. When you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, don't sit down in the place of honor. Don't choose the best spot, lest someone more distinguished than you <laughs> be invited by him. I love that. He's like, there's probably somebody better showing up. And this is what Jesus said. And he said, and he who invited you both will come to say, will, will come and say to you, hey, give your place to this person. Then you'll begin with shame to take the lowest place. And so don't come and sit right next to the, to the guest or the, 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 the bride and the groom. They'll say, hey, like, like their mom or dad showed up. I need you to move and sit probably in that corner away from everybody else. You have shame and you go to the lowest place. So Jesus said, therefore, but when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place to begin with. So that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. And so they're probably thinking, what is he talking about? What is Jesus saying? And Jesus ends with this, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Anyone who sits in the back of the room, right, will be exalted. Whoever tries to exalt themselves will be humbled. Let's pray today. Father, I thank you your word. God, I think your word is living, it's active, it's powerful. Father, this weekend we honor those that have fought 
for our freedom. God, we are so grateful for our military, Father. We're so grateful for those that served our country. The Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus for, the, for comfort, hope, and peace today. Father, I thank you for this message that you're going to do something extraordinary in our hearts, Father. I thank you that humility is such a key when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. And Father, I pray at 5 p.m. today the Golden Knights win. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Come on, you feel the anointing on that one? I felt it. I felt it. You know, um, we started our church uh, four and a half years ago. And uh, what I love uh, uh, is we moved from the east side of Las Vegas and 45 minutes, and we moved to the southwest part of town. Where are my east side people at? Right? Come on. Now, where are my southwest people at? See the difference? And so, and we moved to the southwest part of town. And uh, what we've begun to do is we looked for a venue, begin to do startup uh, parties or intersocials. But one of the first things I did was I contacted every pastor in this town. Uh, I called them, uh, called secretaries, got numbers of numbers. You got so-and-so's number. Uh, met with Crossing Central Anchor. Met with all these different churches in town. Just try to get my foot in the door. They're going, Jeremy, who? You know? And uh, I found myself in almost every past senior pastor is either at a coffee shop or in their office. And what we decided to do, we, just, we decided to take the humble approach and just say, God's called me to start a life-giving church in the city of Las Vegas. Think about it. They've been here 15, 20 years. Like, God's going to do something new and better, you know. But we walked in and we said, hey, you know, my name's Jeremy. What was it like starting your church? What are the ministry woes or the pros or the cons, the highs, the lows? What have you learned about our culture? Although I've been here over 15 years, but what have you learned about the culture of Las Vegas? And at the end of every meeting, I begin to ask this question. May I have your blessing to start a life-giving church in your city? In your city. And can I tell you, they all said yes. They all said yes. If they would have said no, I probably still would have done it anyway. I'm a little holy, but hood, right? But there was a situation where I got invited, and I went to a conference in town. And I remember this conference. It's not my tribe. It's not, I didn't know anybody. Just kind of walked in, but I'm extrovert. Come on, somebody, right? Like, I'll be your friend. And I walked into this conference. It was a two-day conference. And they had breakout sessions whatnot. I went to, uh, there was a large preaching session and I went in there, and I sat in the corner, and uh, it, was, it was hot out. It was in a tent in a canopy. And I remember sitting in the corner, and all of a sudden, the lead pastor was hosting it with all his friends and you know, large churches all across the nation. And he, he's talking, and all of a sudden, he goes, Jeremy, Jeremy Bosma, Jeremy, is that you? And I was like, hey, but yeah, yeah, it's me. And he goes, can I just tell you guys a story? He, he, man, he came to my office, and he told me, and he asked me, like, can he start a church? And I'm like, dude, like, two TMI, you know, like, and he goes, man, yeah. and he goes, man, I just, Jeremy, Matt, we honor you. you. You're just the sweetest guy. He said, sweetest. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about, bro? My hunt. <laughs> and then, don't let the outfit fool you, okay? <laughs> and then he goes, give Jeremy a microphone. Jeremy, I want you to share. And it reminded me of this right here. Humility is attractive. Pride isn't. Right? Humility is attractive. And can I tell you, I've been more of this than this. So I'm not telling you stories saying, yeah, I'm awesome. But it, a lot of times, this is easier than this. 
But humility is tracked to pride, is it? Man, can I just tell you, if you're single in this place and you're about to date or you're looking at somebody dating, try to find somebody who has humility. Because humility is way more attractive than pride. They're confident. No, they're not. They're prideful. You've got to be able to watch. Are they humble or are we prideful? So the title of my message today is, it's heavenly humility. Heavenly humility. That I love when Jesus came to this earth, they said, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one who's going to bring death and destruction to the government, to the Romans? Are you the one that's going to come and be the warrior that we want? And Jesus said, I'm the Messiah, but I've come with heavenly humility. I've come like a lamb to the slaughter. I've come to show you that the kingdom of heaven, it's much more than you think. It's a different mindset, different measurement, different standard. That the kingdom of heaven has a different measurement. So heavenly humility, there's several things with this. I'm going to go quick because here's the first one. With heavenly humility, that means we're humble with our words. We're humble with our speech. And I love Jesus in Matthew chapter 12. He actually quotes John the Baptist, Matthew chapter 12. He says, you brood of vipers. All right, this is like Christian cussing right there, all right? You brood of vipers, he says. How can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Did you know I could actually hear the condition of your heart by the words that we're speaking? I could tell, are we prideful? Are we humble? What's the condition of our heart? You know, um, Growing up in high school, I drove my dad's trucks. He had a lot of pickups or a motorcycle. And then when I went to seminary, I bought my very first car. It was a 1992 Chevy Corsica, white with peeling paint. It was beautiful. A blue interior. Come on, somebody. Uh, the passenger side didn't even work. If you want to ride with me, you have to scoot through the driver's seat all the way over. Uh, man, I love my Chevy Corsica. My wheel in the back, uh, blue. And so I put the donut on, and that's all I had. Your boy drove down with a broken door and a wheel in the back. Uh, that was a donut. And uh, I remember... Uh, I was just in seminary. You don't have a lot of money. Uh, you know, you're, you're spending money on books and food, right? Ramen and, and broccoli and all those different things. And I remember driving down the road, being hard of hearing has its perks, ladies and gentlemen. If you're brand new with us today, I'm deaf in this year. I wear hearing aid in this year. I don't hear much. Now I wear glasses. I'm deaf and blind. But God's got to call God on my life, all right? Got to call God on his life. Man, I've been trying to read lips for the past year. It's been difficult with masks, you know. And so I, I was driving down the road, and when I hit my brakes, it kind of made a noise. You know what I mean? Kind of like a right? So I ignored it. And so the next week, kind of a little rougher, you know? It's like, my, my friends be like, what's that? No, you, you, hear, you hear your brakes? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. The next week after that, it went from to literally grinding. I mean, it was like, you need new brakes. I was like, no, I don't. So I don't have the money to, to fix the brakes. And some of the mechanics in this room is driving you crazy. But I didn't know. But I had to realize I had to take my car to the mechanic shop, have them take off the tire, go inside the car, remove the pads, get the rotors, whatever it is, you know. I'm a preacher. And, uh, and fix or replace the parts that need to be replaced. Can I just tell you, I didn't look at my car and go, stop making that noise. 
I didn't go to the car and say, you hear that grinding noise? Stop it. You are to be quiet. You are to be a beautiful 1992 Chevy Corsica. But here's the problem with this right here. Sometimes as Christ followers, we get saved, we raise our hands at the end of the service, and then we say, you know what? I need to change the way I speak, but it doesn't change the condition of your heart. See, here on Sunday mornings, this is the car dealership right here. When you walk into the car dealership, we put the best cars out. Come on, somebody. The brand new models, 2020, 2021. But how many know this is the showroom floor on Sunday mornings, but our small group is the mechanic shop. The small group is where we say, man, I got some things inside of me that I need God to work on, to God to change, because I want you to understand that it's not about behavioral modification, it's about heart transformation. Don't just tell me my brakes squeak, tell me what to do with my brakes. Don't just tell me how to speak, but tell me how do I get transformed and changed forever and ever. And I love Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. He says, guys, listen, when you pray, don't heap up epping phrases. Don't just pray because you know how to pray. Man, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. If you're brand new with us today, man, like Lorenzo said, we are a church. We're a hospital, man. We are jacked up, imperfect people just striving towards the same thing, and that's the kingdom of heaven. Man, I'm pursuing holiness, but I'm yet, yet holy. I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress. Why can't I challenge you today? We don't say empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. But sometimes we'll walk into this building, man, just so heartbroken. We'll walk into this building full of issues, addictions, full of sin. Man, we'll walk into this building and say, man, I had a horrible week, a horrible day. But the problem is when we walk into our church, we go, how are you doing? We say, God is good. All the time, God is good. But we haven't addressed the heart. And I love Jesus says this, but pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I just share with you today that language reveals heart. That language reveals heart. That I can see your heart by the language that you speak. You know, I could tell when, I'm going to let you in on a kind of a pastor thing. You know, I could tell when, Someone's all in at Avenue Church by their language. I could tell when someone walks up and they go, hey, pastor, you know what you should do? Hey, you know what you guys should do? How many know that's just a, that's just a member, not an owner? But when somebody walks in and says, you know, pastor, I see a problem. You know what we should do? You know what? I love our church or I love my church. I want to take it a step further. Language reveals heart. And this is what Jesus said. I love the connection to this. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Truly, I say to you, whoever says, say says. Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up, be thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that what he says will come to pass. I hope you see the connection. He's saying language reveals heart. So I need you to believe in what you're saying in your heart because of what you say will come to pass and it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you receive it and it will be yours. I need to take this a step further today. I want you to understand faith is humbling. My goodness. Faith is a humbling experience for many of us. 
but language reveals heart. In the Bible, it says, man, our words have power of life and death. And here's the problem with many of us in this room. We have received too many words of death that we're unable to speak words of life. And when we speak words of life, we're speaking faith. Man, I'm a child of God. Yeah, but look at your past. I'm God's masterpiece. I bet you've had a lot of abuse. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I have a call of God over my life. Man, we've got to be able to speak from faith. Faith is humbling. But so number one, we have, we're humble with our words. And I want to challenge you today. Man, I want you to speak faith. Go back one. I want you to speak faith. See my TV? It even has a sensor. It's amazing. I want you to speak faith. Speak faith over your situation. Speak faith over your problem. Be able to speak faith. You might be saying, I'm not a glass always full kind of guy. Your pastor is. And I want you to speak faith. Don't speak death. But be, speak faith over your life. Here's the next one. So we're humble with our words, but also I want us to be humble with our actions. Humble with our actions. And I love Jesus. He said, for the kingdom of heaven is like. In Matthew chapter 25, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like. It'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Entrusted to them his property. For he gave five talents to one, two to another one, and one talent to another individual, each according to his own ability. Then he went away. Then the master said to him when he came back, so he said, here's five, here's, here's, I got to back up. Let's go back up one more. Here's five, here's two, here's one. So he goes to the guy with the five talents, and he said, what did you do with the five talents? He said, master, I doubled it. I have five, I got five more, now I have ten talents. And the master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Can I just tell you? He just something that had to do with humility. You've been faithful over a little. For many of us, we're going five, five's the most out of the two and the one. He had the most. But God says he was faithful over a little. You know, it doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't matter how much you have, but stuck is stuck. It doesn't matter how much you have, but it's about the heart. And he goes, I'll give you so much more. Enter into the joy of your master. But he says this, and also, who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you deliver me two talents. I've made two talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I've set you over much. How many know? It's a kingdom measurement that is different than our measurement. Some of us in this room, we go, I only got two. You gave him five. You gave him five. I quit. I'm going to go somewhere else where they'll give me three more. Pastor Lindsay liked that one. Okay. <laughs> You've been faithful over a little. I'll give you much more. Enter into the joy of your master. But here's the one talent guy. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Master, I know you're tough. And check this out. Reaping where you did not sow. And gathering where you scattered no seed. This is probably not a good man. But he still didn't humble himself because of the condition of the man, not the condition of his heart. 
He said that, so I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. Here, have what is yours. He buried it, but his master entered him. You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered. No seed says this. So take the talent. So he took the talent from him, and he gave it to the one who has ten talents. Matthew 25 is what it says. For everyone who has more will be given, and you will have an abundance. From the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I want to encourage you in this room. I feel like a one-talent guy. I feel like I'm the guy with just one talent. I don't play instruments. I can sing. I'm looking at Abby right here. I can't sing. I can't, like, organization. <laughs> I can communicate. I can preach. But I'm deaf, and I can't sing. I can preach. But I feel like I'm the one-talent guy. Many of us in this room, every single one of you in this room, you have five, two, or one. You have a gift and a talent that God has placed over your life. But I want to ask you this today. Come on, we can clap. You have a gift. Are you humble enough to use it? Sometimes we get so hung up on the measurement that we bury it. Sometimes we get hung up on, man, there's no acknowledgement. No one has said anything to me. No one pointed me, uh, called me out or positioned me. I want to ask you, are we humble enough? Use it. I'll be humble enough to use it. And I did have someone's pill chicken this week. Let's go to the next one. If we're humble with our actions, it means I'm humble with my time. If I'm humble with my actions, I'm humble with my time. And somebody needs to hear this today. I want to just, I think it's going to be an eye-opener for us today. That serving is inconvenient. Serving is totally not convenient. This last Saturday, many of us, we woke up early on Saturday morning. We got our kids ready. Oh, Jesus. Man. Oh, where are the parents in the house, right? We all got, got our kids early, and we went down to Spring Valley High School, and we prepared food for over 300 individuals. Can we give it up for the 18 guys? Thank you so much. But can I just tell you, it is inconvenient. It's not easy. But that's why I'm going to challenge you. Go to Growth Track. Next uh, month, uh, this next Sunday, we'll be starting Growth Track Steps 1 and 2. But I also want to encourage you, if you feel fired up, you can go to courses.avenuechurch.cc, and you're able to jump right into Growth Track. But can I just tell you, this is going to take time. It's going to take time at your workplace and say, I got a gift. Maybe it's the gift of encouragement. I'm going to use that gift. I'm going to go out of my way and encourage someone. Man, it takes time. But if I'm humble with my actions, I'm humble with my time. But if I'm humble with my time, or if I'm humble with my actions, I'm also humble with my money. I'm humble with my money. And I love this. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, can I just challenge you today? Money, it doesn't say the, 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 that, it doesn't say the love of money is evil. It says the root of all kinds of evil. We believe money can be good. We believe money can be used for God's praise and God's glory. But we have to be careful with money because money 
be able, is the root of all kinds of evil through its craving that some have wandered far away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Man, we get addicted to money. And I love that when we give, we're telling our money who's really in charge. When we give. And it's so unique because a lot of us, on the, on, on, if we're humble with our actions, we're, we're humble with our time. I've been in ministry a long time, and I have seen spouses, maybe one's a Christian, one's not. I have seen spouses that they're okay with their spouse going and serving for four or five hours on a Saturday. That's great. You can go serve as long as you come back. Right? You, you can serve as long as it doesn't uh, affect my time. But I've seen the other way around where you say, yes, they could serve for four hours, but what if they gave the church $4,000? Then it changes. Then they say, whoa, 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 that's my hard-earned money. But what we give is a humble decision to say, God, I give you my tithe, but God, I give you over and above and beyond. I'm here to tell you, if you're brand new with us today, we don't have giving buckets that go through uh, the auditorium. We have giving boxes. There's three ways to give, all that fun stuff. But we believe that giving is an act of worship. We believe that when we give, we're saying, God, I want you to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing over my life. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is not a budget issue. It's a discipleship. It's relationship. And so we're humble with our money, but I want you to know we're humble with our choices. We're humble with our choices. And I love this. Jesus said, I got another story for you guys. There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his dad, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. He always think, Dad, give me my money. Give me all that I deserve. Give it to me. And he divided his property between them. The story goes on to say that the prodigal son went into the city, squandered all his wealth. And it says this, not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, took a journey to the far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living. But when he came to himself, he had lost it all. The prodigal son said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough? But I perish here with hunger. I perish here with hunger. And says, I will arise and I'll go to my dad. And I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He took the place of honor. He said, give me my stuff. He went into the city, squandered it all, got rid of it all. And here he finds himself in the corner at rock bottom. He says, I'm no longer worthy. He says, I want to go back and just be a servant. When he arose and he came to his father, Jesus said, but while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and he ran and embraced him and kissed him. I love that Jesus said in this story, in this parable, this is me. And when God sees us make the wrong decisions, or when God sees us hit rock bottom, he never stands at the, at the threshold of his property and says, see, I told you, you should have listened. You should have been humble. But he says he ran, and he embraced his son, and he kissed him. And this is what he said, for my son was dead, and now he's alive again. He was lost, 
He is found, and they began to celebrate. Can I just challenge you? This is a pastor moment for many of us in this room. Can I challenge you? We're humble with our choices. This goes back to the stories, collection of talks we had just a month or so ago. That the decisions I make writes my story. And my story affects all those around me. I want to challenge you today that sin is a selfish choice. And it hurts you and hurts those that are close to you. It hurts you and hurts those that are closest to you. But that repentance is a humbling choice. Repentance is a humbling choice. So kingdom or heavenly, uh, a heavenly, uh, heavenly humility. Man, we're humble with our words, humble with our actions, we're humble with our choices. As I begin to study this out, say, man, I can go so many different ways with, with humility. I begin to realize that kingdom humility forgives. This forgives. And Jesus said, Mark chapter 11, remember this verse? We like this verse, right? It says that Jesus said, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, now I memorized this in the New King James, come on somebody, right? Be thou removed and be thou cast out into the sea. Does not doubt in his heart, but believe in that he says will come to pass. Come on somebody, amen, right? That it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for a prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be Yours. I want you to catch this right here. I want you to catch this. It will be yours. Verse 24, Mark 11, verse 24. And believe it, I can imagine disciples are going, yes, yes, come on, faith. I can speak the mountains. I can have it. I can say it. I'm going to claim it. But then Jesus says this right here in the very next verse, verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you're praying, that mountain, I'm praying for that mountain. Pray for my marriage. Man, I pray for my job. I pray for my finances. Come on. He says, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, says your Father, also who is in heaven, may forgive you and your trespasses. The Bible says if we humble ourselves, God will exalt you. If we exalt ourselves, God will humble us. And can I just share with you today, this isn't new for many of us, but it is a humbling experience to forgive those who don't deserve it. It's a humbling experience to forgive those who don't deserve it. I want to challenge you today. If I humble myself that I really believe God will exalt you by healing you. God will exalt you by healing you. And I want God to heal every single one of us here today. I'm going to choose humility. When I say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm making a decision today to be humble with my words. I'm making a decision today to be humble with my actions. I'm making a decision today to be humble with my choices. But can I honestly say, none of that matters if we don't forgive. Will you stand with me, please, with just every head bowed, every eye closed? Man, I want to pray over you this morning. 
I want to challenge you this morning. As we stand to our feet, please close your eyes just for privacy. This is going to be kind of a different service like before. But if you're in this room today, with every head out of eye closed, in the moment, I read the Scripture, and when you stand praying, forgive. Someone probably topped into your mind. You probably saw someone that caused pain. You might have saw someone in your mind say, my goodness, they don't deserve it. Pastor, you don't know what they did. I don't, but God sure does. And unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. But really, it's eating you up on the inside. You know what I love about humility? Humility makes me better, not bitter. Humility allows God to exalt me. Allows God to heal me. God to restore me. But if you're in this room today, every head out of eye closed, and you're saying, Pastor, there's somebody in my life I need to forgive. Now remember, unforgiveness is not uh, when you go to somebody and say, I've hated you for 25 years, but I forgive you. And they're going, what in the world? Forgiveness doesn't hurt the other person. But for many of us, we need to forgive in our hearts. To say, Jesus, I forgive them. I need you to heal me. I need you to restore me. When you stand praying, forgive. And dare I say, church, we forgive so we can move mountains. We forgive for God can forgive us. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you heard today, full honesty, I won't embarrass you, but you need to forgive someone, whether it's yourself or those that are in your life. Why don't you just raise a hand and just keep it up. Just keep it up. Raise a hand. There's hands all over this building all over this property, all over this campus. Keep a hand up. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus for those hands. Father, those hands this morning represent heartache. Those, those hands this morning represent pain. And Father, I pray for every hand that is raised. Man, this is a humble approach. And Father, I thank you that when we humble ourselves, you exalt us. God, I thank you that when we forgive, you forgive us. Father, I thank you, according to your word, that you're healing us right now in our hearts, in our minds. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, today, right here at 11 a.m. at Avenue Church, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do to forgive, to heal, and to restore. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You put your hands down. If you're in this place today and you walked into this building and you said, Pastor, I need to forgive myself. Pastor, I need God to forgive me. Man, I walked in this building. I don't know who Jesus is. I need hope. I need purpose again in my life. Pastor, will you help me a prayer, prayer? that help me to take a step towards Jesus. If that's you, again, every hip up, every eye closed, I won't embarrass you. I won't single you out. But I want you to put a hand up, put it right back down. And say, Pastor, that's me. Put a hand up, put it right back down. Yes, yes, yes. Anyone else? Up, right back down. Yes, I see you, my friend. Up and right back down. Say, Pastor, will you pray with me? Come on, Avenue Church. We don't pray alone. 
we do this together. So I want everyone to lift your voice and everyone say, Dear Jesus, say thank you for paying for what I did. Say thank you for dying on the cross. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Say, be Lord of my life. Say, I, the best way to know how, I'm going to live for you by my words, by my actions, by my choices. Because I now know who I am. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. In Jesus' name, everybody shout it.